Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Oh my goodness, this hour is so full of uh, wonderful talent and joy and fun. I cannot wait for you to just get yourself a good cup of coffee right now and sit back and enjoy because we've got Colin Mockery here of the fame of, whose line is it anyway? The man has been doing improv for most of his life, and he is an absolute genius at it. He and Brad Sherwood are going to be coming to the Lerner Theater in Elkhart, Indiana, on February 10th. And he's giving us a whole background of how he came up in this business and what to expect from the show. And you're going to have an absolute blast listening to him. And then Dr. Carmen Hara is here. She is an author and a psychologist, a relationship expert, and a numerologist. And she has a brand new book, Plus One, The Numerology of Relationships. You want to hear about how numbers affect your life on a personal level and in your relationships. So exciting and all brought to you by the beautiful people at Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature, fruits and vegetables in a capsule and the whole health system, which includes the fiber and spice. It's the only products they make and they're all, it's 100% food. Nothing else is in these products. Nothing else, nothing added in a laboratory. These come from the ground. Uh, the way God grew them. And uh, that's what you get when you take uh, three and three a day of the vegetables and fruits. Three and three a day gives you 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. And the fiber and spice is an absolutely one-of-a-kind product. You can't get anything like it um, anywhere in the world. And where do you get these beautiful, amazing, health-driven, wonderful food in a capsule? Well, you get it at Balance of Nature. And balanceofnature.com is the website. You just go there and you order it. You start getting it shipped once a month to your house. And I'm telling you, you're going to feel such a difference like I have now for the past 12 years. And it's it's just a miracle, really. It's something that has uh, brought a lot of goodness and nutrition to my whole family and me. You can do it too, but if you put my name into the promo code, you're going to get your discount. You're 35% off and free shipping always. So make sure you put Laura in that promo code. That's L-A-U-R-A. When we come back, Colin Mockery of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And the show he's about to do, which is hilarious, Asking for Trouble. Two legends, no script, no problem. This is The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Some shows are just iconic, and they bring us so much joy and laughter and somehow have been able to stay alive and relevant throughout the years, the ages, and even countries. Whose line is it anyway is something that comes to mind. Um, and I guess it probably began somewhere in the 80s in um, in England, but then came over here and Drew Carey and and all sorts of people were affiliated with it. Aisha Tyler as well um, in terms of uh, being the MCs. But uh, there have been performers throughout its history that have just absolutely entertained guests and people all over the world. Colin Mockery is one of them and Brad Sherwood. And they have a very funny show that is touring the country right now in 2024. And it just so happens they're going to be in my hometown four minutes from my house on February 10th. 
with a show called Asking for Trouble. Two legends, no script, no problem. Colin Mockery, thank you so much for joining us today on the way home. Oh, thank you for uh, having me on. Unbelievable. It's, it's, I, people can't see you. They can only hear you right now, but I can see you on Zoom. And it's just, uh, it's like a miracle. You, you're really a legend in comedy and you've been just entertaining us for so many years and yet you're still doing it. I mean, I, I really, I'm amazed. How many years have you actually been performing a, uh, with this type of format, the, the, um, impromptu stuff, and then also way beyond. When did you start? When did your career start? Because I know you're not actually from here. No. Back in the last century, I um, I was at theater school, and I, I saw a demonstration of this thing called theater sports, which was improv, uh, which I it looked like a lot of fun. So I started doing it, and it became um, something that went from people asking what is improv to line up around the block. Uh, so it became very, very popular. And, you know, then I, I, I went to Second City. Um, I was lucky enough to get on the, this little British show called Whose Line Is It Anyway? That uh, no one, I, I think the only people who really knew about it outside of England were college students uh, because it was on Comedy Central, I think. That's where um, it sort of started in America. And it just kept going along until this, <laughs> whatever yeah, this is. And, and whatever this is, oh, well, we're going to get into whatever this is. Um, can't wait. But I was a theater major, too. And I remember having, you know, it, having to do a stint of improv. And really what an it, it, it's such a different art form. And it's out of the realm of even, you know, the, the, the best actors. I'm not saying that I was, but, you know, the greatest actors in the world. Improv is a whole other thing in terms of, I think, ability and um, it, just expertise. It just it's in a different category. And I I wonder what you think that is that uh, causes someone to either be able to do improv or not, because not everybody can do it. The, even the greatest of actors cannot do improv, but other people can. What is it? What is that thing? Um, well, I think uh, there's a bit of a class clown handbone thing. Um, having no shame really helps. Uh, we also try to make it look harder than it is because in reality, uh, improvising is very easy. It just goes against everything we do as humans. All you have to do is listen to people and uh, support their ideas and work together. And that's it. Um, I've been incredibly lucky that, you know, I've been involved with some great people. Ryan Stiles and I grew up together. So, you know, I've been working with him for over uh, 40 years. So, but it's something, um, I, I, I don't know if there's a particular type. I mean, I I tend to be introverted and shy. Uh, others like Greg Proops, uh, Wayne, not so much. Um, so I, I, I don't know what the the connecting tissue is why some people seem to find it easier than others. Yeah. I would imagine you'd have to have no filter whatsoever. It's it's like you can't think for a moment about what's going to come out of your mouth. Is that true? That is true. And um, I've been doing another show, uh, touring another show with a hypnotist, where he hypnotizes people, and then I improvise with them. And what happens is the part of the brain that deals with self-reflection self-criticism, the part that says you can't do this, is gone. So we end up with actual uh, 
pure improvisers. Every night we find a superstar because they don't have that thing of where, oh, do I look okay or is this going to be stupid? They're just reacting to everything I say. So um, it, it is that. It's not having a filter. It's being comfortable enough to be on stage with nothing and just being able to live in the moment and know it's going to work out somehow. It's incredible. And you have worked with some of the very best. It started as a radio product first, correct? It was a radio show. Mm -hmm. Were you in that iteration of it? No, I didn't start uh, until it went to television. Uh, I think it was radio 87, maybe for a year or so. And then it, it immediately went to television. So were you able to, once you get, you know, that type of a, a contract and a, and, and really a, a show, a vehicle like that. Is it hard? Do people see you as anything but that? I mean, are you taken seriously in film and other types of uh, genres? It It is difficult. Uh, you know, people have said, oh, as soon as I see you, I just start laughing, which is not good, you know, <laughs> you know medical drama or something. But I, I have been quite lucky. I've been able to do things. There's a show called Murdoch Mysteries, uh, which is actually shown, I think, around the world. Uh, so I've become a semi-regular on that as a serial killer which is different <laughs> from what I would usually get cast as. Uh, so that's nice. And uh, a couple of years ago, I did a production of King Lear with, I mean, it was me and Stratford actors. So it was very odd. But again, um, I, I learned a lot. It was a different kind of a muscle to work out. And I love challenging myself because obviously, you know, I'm not um, as at ease doing uh, Shakespearean tragedies as I am, you know, making up crap. So, uh, as long as I can keep doing stuff like that, then it's, it, I find it's really up to the audience to get over whatever preconceptions they have about me. Sure. Did you play King Lear? I played the fool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so you and Brad Sherwood now are teaming up on on what this tour is, Asking for Trouble. Looks like an absolute hoot. Uh, two legends, no script, no problem. Can you give us an idea when you're at the Lerner Theater on February 10th at 7.30 p.m.? What the, What is the format going to be? We like to say it's a live version of Whose Line Without the Dead Weight. And I'm speaking, of course, of, you know, Wayne Brady and Ryan Stiles, who just hold us back. So it's just the two of us. We do games that would be familiar to uh, Whose Line audiences. It's even more interactive than the TV show. Every scene starts with something from the audience. We have audience members on stage with us for about 75% of, of the show. And it's just uh, wild, wacky fun. Oh, my gosh. It sounds so much fun. And that is just the perfect kind of show you at you know february 10th you just let loose you're on a weekend and you get to just go and laugh i think there is nothing that this world needs more of right now is laughter and i would say that uh from from all for all intents and purposes comedy is kind of um going through something that i don't think it's ever gone through before but you know comedians are being canceled and people are really having to think about what they say and what they do and and how do you feel about that as a, a performer as a comedian as a legend basically in, in in comedy how do you what do you think about what's happening today a little bit or do you just not go there um well i mean when we do our show we say off the top we're not doing anything political because we found we immediately divide our audience and we're not that show i mean if there are people were going to see uh, you know, John Stewart or, or someone like that, they know they're going to get 
um, something with opinions. And I feel that kind of a political humor or social humor, that has to be written. It's very hard to, to do that meaningfully in a an improv way other than that guy's an idiot or that idea sucks. It doesn't really uh, solve anything. So um, we have found sometimes uh, the audience makes assumptions that aren't there because everyone's trying to be, uh, I hate to say super woke and make it, I don't, I, I believe people should be aware of what they're doing, but sometimes people are searching for something in a difficult way, having to go through many avenues to make that thing offensive. Um, I mean, I totally, am, I'm, I believe in comedians are there to sort of show what's happening in the world, mirror the world. I do believe that that doesn't mean punching down on groups that don't have great representation who are already um, struggling throughout the world. But the people who have the power, I think they're fair game. Those are people we should be attacking, making aware of their foibles and uh, making aware to the world things that are going on. But it's a, you know, it's a fine line. But I, I think just using common sense and going, is this, am I, why am I making fun? It's like making fun of somebody's physical appearance. Why? That doesn't really say anything. It just makes you, I don't Right. Look like not a good person, and uh, I feel if you're going to uh, do that, there has to be some major point, and the point that's worth that. Absolutely, and I think um, probably nine tenths of the the audience is with you on that. I think people are tired of that being brought into absolutely everything, whether it's a you know the Emmy Awards, the Grammy Awards, the Oscars, whatever. You know, there's always this undertone of, you know, trying to shock or whatever, or pick a side. And, you know, it, it has sort of taken the fun out of it for a lot of people. So I just absolutely love that you guys are coming just to have nothing but rip roaring fun. And that is what we need in this country and beyond in every country, I think right now. So that's exciting. If you had to name uh, your Mount Rushmore of comedians, who would, who would they be? Oh, um, cause I'm assuming that would mean four. That's very hard. There are people, um, so many people I've been inspired by and who have made me laugh, like from, you know, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin to, you know, the Dick Van Dyke show, the Andy Griffith show, Don Knotts, um, Carol Burnett. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I, there would have to be, um, almost like one of those zoom screens of just, <laughs> Can you do a Zoom screen Mount Rushmore with like hundreds of comedians on it? <laughs> That's a great idea. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, it, it probably would be hard. Um, who, who probably inspired you the most, though, just in terms of the, the the path that you've gone down with a lot of the improv? Is there an improv person that you really admire and adore? Sure. I mean, when I was growing up, the only thing I ever saw the, or a person who was improvising was Jonathan Winters. I'll just wait a second so your audience can Google. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Winters. Yes. Oh, actually, you may know him from my other uh, inspiration, Robin Williams. Uh, he played Robin Williams' uh, son in, I think, the last season of uh, Mark and Mindy. So uh, both of them were just um, – I'd never seen anything like it. And it was just so exciting because you knew that 
they didn't know what they were going to be doing and right. the people around them didn't know what was going and I, I found that really exciting and dangerous and fun yeah it's genius it really to me is genius when it, people like that they open their mouths and I, they don't even know what's going to come out of it but it but it's perfect and it it's just incredible what an art form i just think it's it's it, do you feel like it's a an art form that is maybe dwindling somewhat or do you think there's a, a new fresh batch of very funny people coming up Oh, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there will never be a shortage of funny people. Uh, you know, I was with Second City for years, and when I left, I thought, well, that's them done now. But every year, they find a new crop of amazing people. Uh, in the improv world, uh, just here in Toronto alone, there are people doing improvised one-act plays. Um, there's a couple I know, incredible improvisers. They get uh, playwrights to write the first two pages of a play, a new play. They open it up on stage, cold read the first scene, and then improvise the rest of it. So I, I love that people are constantly uh, finding ways of uh, expanding the art form. And um, I, I did some work with a group in Atlanta called Dad's Garage. I got to improvise an opera with the Atlanta um, Opera uh, a group and do a ballet with the... <laughs> The Atlanta Ballet Company, um, <laughs> all improvised. And I thought, yeah, why not? It was amazing. And the fact that these trained, amazing professionals were willing to, okay, yeah, let's have fun and make fun of the genre that we're involved with. It was breathtaking. Oh, I can imagine. Do you sing or do you dance in real life? No. <laughs> that is the beauty. I have none of those things. I can dance maybe a little bit, but I'm certainly you wouldn't be paying money to see me do a ballet. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, you know, I actually would love to see you do something like that because I know it would be just pure art and so much fun. I love it. I'm so excited that you guys are coming. Brad, sure. how, how many years have you and Brad been working together? This is our 22nd uh year of the tour so far so wow. good i'm still breaking oh. him in he's he's a slow I mean, you, that is a rarity i mean to be I, I mean it's kind of like the you know billy joel and his final uh you know his final concert that's lasted for about 11 years now but yeah. um yeah i just think it's wonderful it gives us all a chance to laugh and so for people listening in michiana asking for trouble which is two legends, no script, no problem with Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood. Get your tickets now. The Lerner Theater in Elkhart, Indiana on Main Street. There is such a gorgeous theater. February 10th, 7.30. And for those of my listening audience in Greenwich, Connecticut right now, you've got a, con a concert, a show coming up in Torrington at the Warner Theater on May 16th. And the guys will be in Peekskill at the Paramount Hudson Valley Art Center in uh, Peekskill, New York on June 15th. So it's uh, it's just uh, you guys are going to be everywhere and uh, bringing the country to a really good place. Thank you so much, Colin Mockery, for your work, for your lifelong work, because it's a gem. And we are so grateful that uh, there, there are the likes of you out there still doing your thing. And you look so young. It's amazing to me. But oh, Laura, uh, thank I think you. you're my new favorite person. Thank you. Uh, that's <laughs> lovely. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you on the 10th, February 10th at the Lerner Theater. Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood asking for trouble. Don't miss this improv tour de force. I'm Laura Smith. This is The Way Home. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I think it was around 17 years ago when I first launched a whole platform, a whole channel on Sirius XM. It was called The Lime Network, which was Healthy Living with a Twist. And I met so many people um, in the beautiful realm of self-help and good health and and clean living. And it was just a wonderful experience. And then I started to do a daily show in 2007 called Above and Beyond. And with that, I met fascinating people in in all walks of the world of spirituality and metaphysics and uh, the world of uh, everything from numerology to psychology and everything in between. It was a wonderful time. And through that, I met so many people, but I met someone very special who ended up becoming a friend and is a friend to this day. And I miss her so much because we're so used to seeing each other all the time in New York, but she's moved to Florida. I've moved to Indiana, but uh, friendship uh, doesn't uh, go away no matter how far away you are from each other. Dr. Carmen Hara is here. She's an intuitive psychologist, a best-selling author of nine books, a radio and TV host, a personality, um, and a relationship expert. She has been on shows like Good Morning America, The Today Show, you name it. She is beloved in the metaphysical community, and she has a brand new book. I just love the title so much because she has extreme knowledge of numerology and what that can mean for your life. And her new book is titled Plus One, The Numerology of Relationships. Carmen, thank you for joining us. Laura, I cannot thank you. You know, I will always remember you, and you are, and you will always be the queen of radio. And you have so many people, and me included, you know, for so many years, and you gave us the opportunity to express ourselves, and you gave us the opportunity to uh, to empower us and uh, bring new ideas and new concepts to help everybody. So how can I thank you enough? Will well, I ever I, be able to thank you enough? I, I was always just a host. You were the expert, and I learned so much from you. I'm hearing a baby in the background. Is that your, yeah, I'm your so first sorry. and brand? Like- Don't ever apologize. <laughs> that is your first and brand new grandchild, is it not? Yeah, it's my, my granddaughter. I'm so excited. She's only six months old, and, uh, and she's so sweet. And babies are so innocent, so pure. They want to make you, you know live forever just to be there with them it's just such an inspiration what is her name alexandrina (laughs) oh my goodness i love that you're hearing this incredible accent from carmen hara who is romanian by birth she's been in the united states for so many years but you you grew up in romania and you're a very big star there and you still are. You still have TV shows there, right? And you're still singing. And every and... every other week, I have a TV show there. I left Romania forty something years ago. It's interesting, but I was never able to completely disconnect. I didn't want to actually. I I always wanted to keep in touch with that part of the world. Very nice people. Interesting. Uh, uh, interested in spirituality. Great believer in a way. Very religious, but it's for their own good. So, uh, yes. yeah, I am still um, uh, still influential in a way in that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, yes, I know you are. I see. I see all of the work that you do on television there. And your husband, he was also Romanian, correct? Virgil? Yeah, I met I met my husband here 40 something years ago. And you remember uh- me. Yes, yes, I do. And and so but I I bring him up because I just loved how you dedicated your book to him. 
um, plus one, the numerology of relationships. And you said he he was the only one, right? He was your number For one. For me, he was the only one. You know, I will never be, you know, I, I believe that there are unique connections that we have. And that actually motivated me to write this book. Uh, and I kind of blend two studies, you know, the 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 science of of time, the numerology, the concept of um, uh, you know how you navigate through life according to numbers, which are the language of the universe, and uh, the concept that uh, Plato developed by the same time with Pythagoras, which is a theory of forms. And Carl Jung took the concept of the theory of form and translated in psychology into human archetypes. So the way you actually define somebody's personality traits can be done through numbers. So there's there's a connection between psychology and numerology because they 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 come by the same time more than 2500 years ago and they influence humanity for so many 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 years and they will because we cannot actually imagine the world without numbers. And people are telling me I don't know about you. Oh Dr. Hara, I see 11-11 every single day. You know, I look at the clock and I see 11-11. Oh, I see 4-4. What does it mean? What these numbers do for us? And because you asked me about my granddaughter and then I'm going to stop talking. Like no, 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 please keep so going. It's interesting. My daughter tells me she's pregnant the same day and month when my mother died, 20 years later. Then we call my daughter. I always knew at that point that my daughter is going to have a baby. And Pythagoras developed the concept of the transmigration of the soul, the concept of incarnation. Uh, so if you believe in the numbers, you also believe that yeah, the soul is immortal. It might come back in the flesh. And if you see numbers coinciding like this, like, hey, what are the odds that I found that I'm pregnant exactly the day, the month when my, mother, when my grandmother died 20 years ago? It means there's a message. And fair enough, she has a daughter, and fair enough, we call her, who gave her the name of my mom, you know? Oh, that's absolutely great. I, I love that. And, and I know there's, it's, for a lot of people, they hear things like a numerology or um, the psychic phenomenon and or mediumship or whatever, and they, they think maybe it's, it's woo-woo and it's, you know, not really, uh, you know, real or to be believed. But the fact is, astrology and numerology these are there's actually science behind them i think that's why i find them so fascinating so there's this divine nature of you know the the planets moving and everything in the sense that you know it really is it's something much greater than us had to create this but then there's meaning to it as well and and with the numbers the same and how you you call like divine dna um, are, are locked within different numbers. And I find that so fascinating. And indeed, it's something that everybody can learn and apply, which is what makes it a science, right? So if you can learn it, you can apply it, and it makes sense, and it has, you know, reality to it or comes out true, then you can call it a science. And so that's what I'm always so fascinated with. But like you said, you you really blend the psychology with it the spirituality, and then the actual, um, the numbers themselves carrying their own beautiful dimension and energy. So for the for the person who may be hearing about numerology for the very first time and how you're applying it in your new book, Plus One, The Numerology of Relationships, is there, can you be, can you be absolutely sure that when you do the new numbers of maybe the person that you're with or or 
you know, the one that you're married to, perhaps when you do the numbers according to their birth chart or whatever, can it really spell different messages like whether or not it, the relationship has a good chance of lasting or whether it doesn't have a good chance of lasting? Is there is there really truth behind that? There's a lot of truth behind that. So we are energy. We are forms of energy. We are energetic beings. I mean, we have a physical form, but there's a lot of energy. You know, if somebody's dead, there's no energy there, you know. But also numbers are forms of energy. And every number has specific dimension. As like you said, every number defines somebody's personality. And when we are born, we're born with a birth code that is our divine DNA. And we're also born with a genetic code. So we we come from a drop of DNA. And that drop of DNA knows everything about us. In the same time, that, that birth code that you have says everything about you. So if you take all those numbers at birth and reduce it to a single digit, you actually uh, 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 become a specific human archetype that has specific characteristics. And if you study your own archetype, which people don't generally do, you don't really know yourself sometimes. That's why you navigate through life and make so many mistakes because you don't know exactly uh, uh, your your skills, your abilities, your your uh, capacity to commit. There's some people are incapable to commit. There's some people that are hopeless romantic. They will fall in love with love. There are people that are so independent and they cannot uh, uh, fall in love so easily because they're in love with themselves, with their job. With There are people that are introvert, people that are extrovert, people that are free spirit, people that are spiritual seekers who all they want is find the truth beyond the physics. So, and and this is the way I try to define a a human archetype according to the number that everybody has. And I kind of, I kind of make it a little bit different. There are tons of books in numerology, but I, I said numerology can be a tool to define who you are. And the book becomes some kind of a predictability chart. And it shows you if you're a number one, you will not get along with the other, not with a specific number, and you will be a perfect match to number nine. I'm just giving you an example. Because you're the opposite, the two poles, like we used to say, the two poles touch each other. So so, so the book helps you uh, prevent a divorce, helps you prevent a breakup, shows you how many times the relation, the, a relationship exists in this world, because there are compromised relationships, there are a transitory relationship, there are toxic relationships, there are compatible relationships, there are incompatible relationships, there are, uh, you know you know what I mean, soulmate relationship. So the book defines and it helps you understand what relationship are you in. So if you know what relationship you are in, you know what to expect. And it shows you your human archetype will match that specific archetype. So then indirectly, it allows you to define the personality traits of your uh, uh, significant other. So it, it's a tool that, you know, uh, helps you understand better the type of a relationship. But in, in the same time, who are you really? Who are you really at, at the core of your being? Yes. And I love that because, I mean, from the little that I know of it, you can arrive at what your own, they call it your life path number, correct? And that is by adding up the day of your birth with the month and the year, and you add it all together, and then you 
uh, it, it sort of comes down to one digit, and that is your your life path number, um, which is standard in all Western numerology, correct? Is right. How they people they find that. So, um, but you know, like astrology has many layers to it. You're a sun sign, but you also have a moon and you have an ascendant, you have all these things. And then, so maybe technically a Leo might not get along with a Capricorn, but because you have all these other aspects in your, your character and your chart, you, you then can be compatible with them. Is that the same with numerology? Like maybe if I'm a six, which I am a life path six, and I find someone who's a four, and that's not supposed to be compatible. But maybe there's other numbers that that are coming through as well. I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out in a well, in a simple way. Yeah. Well, there's a there is a main archetype, and there's a recessive archetype, and then there are different archetypes that can exist within yourself. Like you being a six, you're in love with love. You only love. So when you said we said Laura. We said, Laura is a sick. She's a loving, caring, look at what you do. You help people. You bring people in. You care about each other. You love your parents. You love your kids. You're in love with love. And for that reason, it's not that easy for you to find your soulmate because you may need another six or you may need a two or you may need somebody who will resonate with you at the vibrational level the same way you resonate with the world, you know? So that's right. so beautiful to be a six. I always adore people that are six. Look at, I never knew you were a six, but now now I understand why I loved you so much, you know? Oh, because you're just so... pure love. That's the definition of Laura. She loves the world, you know? And she does this career because she sacrificed. She wants to be out there. She wants to be at service. That's what people see the six will do. But that defines your human archetype. This is who you are. And if you read through the book, you understand who's actually my match, who I should be with. But like you said, you know, in a relationship, you can adjust things, you can change things, you can improve things, you can work. Relationships are always a lot of work. And that's another theme that the book touches upon, how much work you can do to make a relationship really work, in spite of the fact that you might not be as compatible as you want. And that's one of the reasons that out of so many relationships out there, Majority of their actually compromise relationship. The people try to work on things and they compromise. And if you compromise, a relationship can last forever and be actually uh, good, you know, and in good standing for a very long period of time. So, and here's where book helps people understand who are they, you know, how will, how will they express themselves based on the divine code they are born with and Who's their match? What are the things that they need to work on in a relationship? So, so the book shows you, yes, this is a person you might not be that compatible, but if you do that kind of a work psychologically, you will make that relationship better and you will improve it and you will make it last. Oh, I love that. And it's fantastic. And you really explain it. In a, in a really wonderful way so that it's not so complicated. It doesn't get too esoteric that you can't really apply it. It's very applicable. It's very uh, easy for, for someone to, to grasp. Um, but you have to sit and study it a bit because you want to learn how to use it. The name of the book is Plus One, The Numerology of Relationships. Dr. Carmen Hara is my guest. She's a writer. She's a psychologist. She's actually an intuitive as well. And a singer and a radio host and a TV host. I mean, your your 
incredible traits are so vast and you have so many of them. What is your life path number, if I may ask, and what does it mean? So I'm a nine. Um, um, what is something that is called well-rounded, somebody who try to bring everything together, try to, to sacrifice also, because people that are nine are humanitarian. They love animals. I have seven cats. I have two dogs. They love kids. I have kids in the house. They love the world, exactly like you, you know. Uh, and sometimes, you know, they they are on their own, like I'm alone for years, and that's fine with me. I'm always working on myself. I'm always trying to discover something new about me. Uh, I went to Cornell. I got a degree there. Now I'm studying at Harvard. I'm studying a medical school. You can't believe that. I am what? at my age. I said, yes, I am fascinated with medicine. So I shift a little bit. You know, now my next book is on health because I try to learn. We are here to learn every single day. It's never too late. We're never too old to start a new career, to embrace something else. And I want to inspire people, show them. If you have a new idea, work on it. Uh, you know, if you want to educate yourself, go ahead and do it. It's always possible. It's never too late. Ah, you are ageless for sure. And I read in some book uh, many years ago, and I don't know if this is true and you might know, but someone said that Jesus was a number nine. Uh, absolutely believe it. Many people said that he was actually an 11, which in the Sanskrit is called Bodhisattva, which are people who sacrifice. And that will make sense because um, uh, he came to sacrifice, showing people how significant sacrifice is and, and kind of making the world, you know, a better place, trying to show the world that he, you can be good to each other. You can be forgiving. You can believe in love. The love is the the number one force. He was teaching us so many things. And I think for 2000 years, we're still learning, 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 hoping, you know, to get more from him, to integrate more in our lives, the, the love uh, for the divine, the love for Jesus, the idea that we are the children of God, that we, we can be, we can do the work of God. We can, uh, it, it, we just have to believe in us and, and we have to, uh, to, to switch, you know, from negativity that we see so much in the world right now into positivity, into bringing the good. And the moment we do this, this world can be paradise. We don't have to experience any more war. We don't have to see children being killed. We don't have to see everything that we're witnessing right now. Just by believing in Jesus, just by believing in the good within ourselves, just by believing we are all the, the children of the divine. Yes, choosing that consciousness of pure right. goodness, which, um, you know, everyone possesses. And I don't think you're here on this earth unless you are a child of God. But then again, like you said, to, to really be focused on that part of yourself, the divine part of yourself, and live that way and try to, you know, stay stay far and wide away from anything negative. Dr. Carmen Hara, I am so grateful to hear that not only are you still doing your, your work in, in the spiritual sciences, but you're now going into learning about medical. And it's really, it shows you that everyone is very multifaceted in life. I've been doing radio for 25 years, but right. with but but I do many other things besides right. that. And and we all have these abilities to really to really learn so much. And you're the perfect example of that. 
even though numbers can tell you so many things, you are ageless. You have, I, I couldn't put a number on you looking at you. You look exactly the same as you did 17 <laughs> years ago when I met you. And, and it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. There are so many tools at our dispense, right? At, we can use so many things, whether it's numerology, whether it's psychology, whether it's spirituality, there are so many tools in the world that for us at our, at our, just our, our fingertips basically, and we can use them for the good, like you said, but I just absolutely love your new book. Plus one, the numerology of relationships. I thank you for this because I think a lot of people are, are going to get so much out of it and really sit there and try to learn about the numbers that they possess and maybe their kids and their their spouses and a potential mate. Um, it'll be so much fun for them, but they'll learn so much because you're, all of your books are so chock full with, with history and science and and deep spirituality. So it's, it's they're always so wonderful, just absolutely wonderful. Plus one, the numerology of relationships. Uh, Carmen Hara, people can, they buy the book on your website in addition to Amazon or anywhere? The book is everywhere. You can find it on Amazon, every bookstore. I mean, too bad people don't read as much like they used to read. But for everybody listening, if you struggle in relationship, if you have been disappointed, if you went through a divorce, if you don't know who to bring in, the book will show you how, uh, you know, the person coming into your life is reflecting uh, your own self and how significant it is to understand why am I attracting this person in my life? And if I'm attracting somebody who's not really my match, how can I stop that? You know, so right. the, the book becomes some kind of a manual. The intention of the book is to teach people about themselves and who they should bring in and how significant it is, uh, the relationship in itself, based on your divine code. Exactly what we've been talking. We're talking about the divine within ourselves. And this code we are born with is the divinity within us, the, uh, the, the higher force, the higher level, the self that we carry within ourselves. And it's a definition of something we need to work on. Because, for instance, you can be a number one who's an independent and somebody who is prioritizing their own business, and in a way probably a little bit selfish or probably a little bit of a narcissist, but you can work on yourself, and the things that you are born with can be actually improved. So we're a work in progress constantly. <laughs> we, we're working on ourselves to get better, and as much as you gather knowledge about who you are, who are the people in your life, you know, learn a little bit of psychology because psychology is is talking a lot about personality traits that we all have. So the book becomes an instrument of learning about you, learning the people in your life and learning how to navigate and finally find your true match and that fulfilling relationship that we all deserve and we all want. That's my mission for this year. Right. <laughs> My mission. But then again, we'll see. We've been saying this for a long time, Carmen, you and me. So. Yeah, but it's, it, it's time. You know, the book also teaches you about your personal uh, years. So life is timing. Everything is time and everything is in time. So um, there's time for everything. So in, in your particular case, I think time is now for you to finally bring in the things that you probably put on hold. Because I think that you just put them on hold because you prioritize. You had other things that were more important to resolve. And I know 
you know what I'm talking about, you know, yes. having to do with your family, having to do with your home, having to do with the, you know, reaching a, a specific moment in your time when you can finally shift and bring that energy in, you know, and, and that's, that's what I think is going to happen to that. I make your prediction. <laughs> this uh -huh. is your year because this is the karmic year eight. So 20024. First of all, it carries female energy. Two zero two four two two and four. These are only female. We see Nikki Haley, female energy, uh, coming in to face Trump. So the female energy is coming in power. Now number eight is the year of money. Is the year of karma. It's very powerful. Karmic years bring will always bring for humanity major major changes. So this year brings so much on the table with election in forty countries. You know, with with uh, a year of discipline, a year of resolution, a year of restitution, a year of transformation at every level, politically, economically. So we see so much happening during this year, more than in the last probably, without exaggerating, 71 years. The same, the same power energetically was in 1952. So 19... Uh, 2024 is compared with 52 because 52 was a year of karma eight, like now, but also under the energy of the dragon. The dragon is such a force. And if you go back in time, what happened in 52? Queen Elizabeth became queen. Um, uh, what, Putin was born. So think of the implication. The Republicans took over the Democrats. The biggest earthquake took a, a place in California. We discovered the hydrogen bomb. So if you think in time, what we achieved 70-something years ago versus now, we're going to see a similar year that shake us at every level of our being because that's the way karma works. And that's why a number is so powerful. So every number has a different impact, but 24 will have a major impact on our consciousness and life overall on Earth. And here's from the expert that knows all about that. And her books are chock full of this knowledge. Decoding Your Destiny is another one that has a lot of the um, the numerology in it as well. But the, the brand new one, you can get so much of what uh, practical understanding of numerology plus one, the numerology of relationships. And so I... I I hate to cut this off because I could literally have you on for four hours and we'd still be going strong. But I thank you, my dear friend, and God bless you and, and keep writing and keep learning and becoming a doctor or whatever you're doing at this point in your life and being a grandma for the first time ever. So lots of love to you, my dear friend, Carmen Hara, Dr. Carmen Hara. And the book is Plus One, The Numerology of Relationships. Get it wherever fine books are sold. Carmen much love. I love you, my Laura, my queen of the radio. I will always be grateful to you. And I do pray and hope that one day you'll bring me back so we can speak more because it's such an honor and such a pleasure to be with you. You'll be back, my dear, many times. You can count on it. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, no, here's Jimmy Dean, better known as uh, Jim Cleefield, the guru of good news who finds wonderful stories that help us leave the program on such a high note. They get you into your work week and just in the week in general. So go ahead. Tell us what you got. 
Well, LJ, we're deep into the winter season now. Actually, it's snow shoveling season for many of you, depending on where you are. But I want to tell you the story about a gentleman who it's really been a struggle for him. You know, for an able-bodied person, shoveling snow in any form, whether it's even the powdery snow or even that heart attack snow, the wet snow, I mean, it can be really tough for anybody. But for this man, Don Wheeler has been wheelchair-bound for two decades, and he has been shoveling his own driveway while he was wheelchair-bound. The reason is, not only with a disability, but also he just does not have the money to hire anybody professionally, and he's on a fixed income. So he's had to do all this work himself. Well, somehow, some way, there was an angel that came into his life in the form of an Amazon delivery driver. And I know we talked about something like this once before, but this driver happened to be his delivery, his next stop at his home. Well, no sooner did he get the package, all of a sudden, this driver, we don't know who he is, started shoveling his driveway ramp to make it easier for him. I mean, he didn't ask for anything. I mean, he didn't ask for clicks or shares or likes on social media. didn't do anything that Don said. And uh, next thing you know, after he left, he went and did other houses, this person. Now, Don was just so blown away by this because, I mean, he was just doing this all by himself and said, this guy's just such a great, you know, just that good Samaritan. Brought him to tears. He was telling broadcast reports to say, someday I'd like to meet this man. Because not only did he do this house, he didn't stop there. He did other houses around the neighborhood. And that just goes to show you again how far, you know, what kindness really, you know, what does for everybody, uh, that really kindness does matter. Whether you're an Amazon delivery driver or whatever it may be, kindness really does go a long way. And really happy for this gentleman that he got that help. Well, and it just, it's what I always say in this show is that it just proves once again, there's, if you look for it, there's more good in the world than not. And so uh, I just love that. Amazing. People are wonderful. People are giving and generous and kind. So thank you, Jim. Thank you, Bob, for producing. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful, safe week. Not too much shoveling wherever you are in the world. And uh, truly have a wonderful one. We'll see you next time on The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith. 